0: hey y'all welcome back to Eye southeast this is the second half of a two-part episode featuring harry harrington if you haven't caught the first half you might want to go back and do that now or you could just jump straight into this episode and listen to evan and harry talk about yamadori collecting it's up to you stick around check it out
1: And there's indicators of age and there's indicators um that feel comfortable with people and i've worked with the the third rule hell of a lot of basic art principles now you've got the scale very very good there you've got the the heights of the various trees are according to their diameter mm. and you've utilized that instead of worrying about trying to emulate what you've seen on the internet you've tried to do the best with what the material you have
2: yeah.
1: and that gives you so many skills that when you do I'm lucky enough now you know 20 years later I get some wonderful material come into my hands mm. but I know how to use them I know how to use crap material and it's the same as that yeah I've said to a few people you know the best guitarists in the world actually for instance who play guitar learn with manky old acoustic guitars they manage to get a song out of it mm. if you learn to get a song out of something of really poor material then when you're then handed that electric guitar with the amps and the the, the, the pedals and all the rest yeah. of it it's <laughs> heavenly
2: yeah and i mean that's that's you
1: quite. Hand a, you can a child of an electric with you know all the distortion pedals and around so'll never learn yeah. ready
2: I think that's uh that's quite quotable I put that on a uh, on a freaking shirt right there you <laughs> know <laughs> if you can make a song with the, the crappiest of materials I mean you could turn it around you know yeah, especially especially when, when you're given learn on the best
1: learn on the streets with no boots. And kicking bits of paper
2: around <laughs> yeah
1: you could it, play football with that you could play football for real
2: yeah exactly and that i think that's i think that's where it come kind of comes from more in the uh the perspective of the bald cypress is how we deal with them here is the same thing it's like this is what we got and uh it comes from that southern culture in southern culture here in the united states is very do it yourself make ends yeah. meet and that's what I really appreciate it uh, about the way it looks, because it's very simplistic. It's very basic. Um, <laughs> uh, just a reference to, uh, have you ever heard of King of the Hill, the cartoon? Yeah, 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 of course. It's drawn, it's drawn very simplistic and very basic looking to even more imply how, how simple these people's lives are. And it makes it funnier in that way, but it makes it also more... You know draws you into it more which i think is very brilliant because that. they're not
1: relying on cgi and huge amounts of money on the graphics yeah they have to work it
2: yeah and then they it's can make a quality show what you have yeah, yeah. uh but yeah uh we're not gonna talk about uh cartoons or anything but uh unless you're a cartoon fan but you know uh but uh okay so next question for you um what species is your absolute favorite to go out and find and I think I know the answer to this question but for the listeners out there
1: um because I was discussing this uh with both my apprentices the other day I think I mean I've got I love Hawthorne Hawthorne is available to us quite prolifically in the UK Mm -hmm. but you love moving around you love you know I've, I've kind of got Hawthorne down to a T i mm. love working on the euonymus uh europeus which i've been collecting loads and loads recently they have the, the most beautiful kind of purple orange berries on them uh, yeah. i think you guys have a lattice which is the burning bush and this is the european version
2: yeah ours so, is not
1: as good well it, it's something new to me so i think i'm fairly with hawthorn, but you know, there's blackthorn and it changes from season to season. So, yeah. this year I'm not really planning on getting in hawthorn, I'm mm-hmm. blackthorn and, and spindle.
2: Yeah, so uh, I noticed you did start pulling a couple more blackthorn, uh, because for the longest time I've watched you pull a lot of hawthorns and those hawthorns you pull out, man, the damage from the deer that where they Mental. scrape on them. Oh, it, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely amazing how twist it and yet, how old, like, I don't know how old they are. Like, how old is that damage, do you believe?
1: The trees themselves and even the sun trees i pulled out that maybe are just a couple of inches mm-hmm. in in diameter are gonna be approaching 100 years. What we've had to do is, where we've chopped them, is take a photo and really enlarge it, start counting off the rings. Mm-hmm. And you can see the years where growth is so minimal, they've not even put your ring on. Okay. They are really on, on the edge. But and- in one hill, when we talk about the hill, we mean the hill. We've uh, looked at it's a peninsula going out into the Osbury Vale, and we've looked at the surrounding hills and the trees just aren't of the same caliber. It's just one individual place. We're starting to, I'm really starting to think that it's a lot down to the, the bacteria, the mycelium that's in the soil on that particular hill. Because we had a, a severe drought uh, four years ago, everything in the fields throughout the UK were just browned off. There was just no water for six seven months and a lot of heat and i've climbed the hill just dreading to think what i was going to find up there all these trees that i prepped mm-hmm. um and the, the ground is so dry in the veil and i've climbed up there everything was green and lush as normal and for a few other reasons we we think it is literally the bacteria out there that is sustaining they're, they're, they have the root system but they have their a um, system of mycelium that spreads even further
2: mm-hmm. uh, and so this collecting location I've seen you bring it up uh, a few times i you've done some Facebook posts and stuff like that recently yeah. and you've talked about it on Boneside for me uh, I wouldn't expect it to be a secret location because you've obviously brought it up multiple times but I guess it's just what you're looking for versus what other people would go up there expecting I guess is probably what different ages, makes the difference between you and another you know person that's collecting or even knowing what they're looking at so uh as far as pulling the trees out i didn't even i didn't even know they were that old i was expecting that some of these trees were you know like i pull ball, i pull a bald cypress out of the ground we got about a four inch trunk diameter that tree's five years old you know yeah really? i know right yeah they grow that fast and so when i see you pull your hawthorns i'm like Those guys must get a lot of damage and then have the time and the growth, the vigor to produce new rings and new cambium to combat that. But I didn't realize those those were that old.
1: Yeah, some of them are incredibly old. Um, You know, we do the annual rings and and stuff like that. They are right on the edge of survival. In, in it's not a mountainous... Range the the Chiltern Hills are uh, seven hundred meters high or something like that. It's not particularly high, mm-hmm. but it's it is the the animals that are um, working on the trees. But each of those Hawthorn, they will literally come into leaf. They will try to flower. They will sit there all year, very possibly, and then drop the leaves. There is no growth for years and years and years.
0: Mm.
2: And it's like, not a, not a very, like you said, it's not a very favorable environment, but you think there's something. Not
1: as well as it's all, but they survive.
2: Yeah. And you're going up there and pulling those trees. Um, and I guess that kind of leads you to the next question of it is like, when you pull a tree and you've described a lot of the the stuff that your Yamadori needs to have. So you don't want to dig up some, dig up a tree that you've seen it you know, twice before, you don't wanna dig up something that's just gonna fall right into that formula of bonsai. Um, so not only what are you looking for, but also what are the ideal conditions of, bring, of pulling up a tree and you know, it's gonna work out for you?
1: Um, the first thing I'll say, I'm going into the real obvious stuff, like you need to have permission to go and collect. You need to feel morally in yourself right to collect the trees. For us, those trees, for one reason or another, those trees are being pulled up by the landowner. We also have some rare butterfly species and rare orchids on those hills. And the trees are being pulled up. They would have been completely eaten to the ground as as saplings by the rabbits. But because of the decimation of the rabbit population by myxomatosis, some of them have have gone for it. And if there's too many hawthorn, then we lose that environment that grows the orchids and um, butterflies. So this means a lot of the trees are getting ripped out anyway. And morally, we feel good about taking them out and actually trying to save them. The second thing I'll say is, and I see it too often, is people think that digging the tree up is an easy way to bonsai, and it's not. It's I guess with you with you guys, with the the, the cypress, they're almost definitely going to take and you'll get a lot of vigor. But for what we're digging up, it's at least two years mm. of High quality care, high quality soils, and then you're good to go in terms of just starting to build the branches up. And I think it, it, this is a thing that I, I see too often with beginners. They think that's all they need to do is go do dig a tree up, yeah. And they don't have the skills. So, so oh. that's my sermon. But um, <laughs> I want, I want to disappoint me How easy it is to go click. It's not. Yeah. Unless um, you've got Swamp Cypress.
2: Yeah. Uh, what there, the, go ahead. Alfred, Alfred. Uh, yeah. And I was going to say for the Bald Cypress, uh, Bald Cypress, yes. Uh, there are moments whenever I pull a Cypress and I'm like, wow this this seemed a little too easy like we've got you know this beautiful flare we've got you've seen the bald cypress knees
1: yeah you pull them
2: up with the knees they come up and you're just like oh hell yeah because it comes out and as long as it's connected straight to the tree you got it sometimes there'll be knees coming from other directions but uh but there are species that we do pull up like um liquid amber um or or um or some acer varieties um and then uh, so you some like uh we have a winged elm here and american elm uh which are more challenging to pull up because of how how far down the water table is and so pulling those trees up somebody might think they got the tree and they pulled up the roots are here and then they got this huge what they call a tap root here which i think the tap root thing is just you should not go off of that because below there there's a reason why there's more because there's more root down yeah, there. yeah
1: yeah yeah and so, you actually have a, a section of input before the roots start
2: yeah exactly yeah. and that's uh, one of the main things
1: I think is when you're looking for trees you need to be studying the ground but the, the ground at all times of the year is vitally important if you've got a soil that dries out a lot particularly during the summer months you can guarantee the roots will plunge mm-hmm. and if you've got two or three plunging roots at soil level before the feeding roots can start you're almost guaranteed inverse taper or something weird going on at the base of the trunk yeah you need to be looking for soil that stains stays reasonably wet or moist during the, the summer months so bogs and ditches and places like that um, are ideal because you know that there'll be a nice tight root ball and you can see it, in the, you you learn after a while what type of roots a tree will have just looking at its upper growth. If the if the above ground growth isn't coarse and it's quite well ramified and short, you know the roots can be like that. And there are all the subtleties that you need to learn, because otherwise, and I've been there, you end up digging and digging and digging and digging down into the ground for a tree that has got the worst trunk. And tap roots attached to yeah. it
2: and that's that's one of the things is like uh we have a couple of sandy uh, riverbed areas and we'll see some of the best liquid amber uh that you've ever seen but you have to dig down four feet of sand just to get to the actual roots really yes sometimes it's that bad so we we have bogs not like bogs necessarily but more like a wetland environment the cypress trees are literally floating on the water, um, and but yet when we get our hurricane winds and the the you know, like the damaging stuff that happens here, they they have, they grow in such a way with their root systems they're able to sustain themselves and just they're much more flexible than most of the other tall trees in our environment. But the majority of the time when you collect a smaller cypress, especially the one right behind me, uh, that tree's that tree is about six inches uh diameter across like the actual root base of it those trees as long as you cut like a few core places on them you can just lift them straight out and i've got pictures where i lifted a cypress out and it's just the root balls right there and you're just like man that's too easy but i know for this location like you got on the hill well, what does the root system look like on those trees normally um on, on
1: this particular hill you, you do have this digital moisture throughout the year um but the uh, it's hard to explain so you have a chalk bed it's it, it's chalk rock and you'll have about a spit 12 12 inches of topsoil, which you basically leave it to sat on top so if you cut all the lateral roots then the tree will just pop off the top of the chalk, hmm. and the chalk will hold, hold moisture, um, but it's it, the, the roots aren't particularly encouraged to grow into it. So I spent quite a long time. I spent a couple of years digging without a, even using a spade. I could use a, a small mattock or, or axe, mm-hmm. and a, a hand saw to cut the lateral roots, and then just tip over the tree. Yeah. And that's just so sometimes it's surprisingly easy. There are other times where it's three or four hours of a job.
2: Mm-hmm. And th- do y'all have, uh, do y'all have like rocky areas where it's challenging that way? Not
1: in this area, no.
2: Okay. No. So not, not in areas where you have to battle against a, a boulder that's embedded in the ground somewhere or, uh, yeah. Heavy pieces of flint or chalk, but that's it. Yeah. So it sounds like, with that chalk bed, which is something, of course, we would have no idea what that even is because Louisiana, everything's washed away. It's just all muck here. But uh, the water table is what's pushing the roots back up. Um, So Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's actually pretty easy going for you you to collect out there when you're getting this really old Hawthorne. So so I guess the next question that I had uh, sit down uh, on this list was, what kind of tools I saw you use like a modified spade shovel that has like teeth on the edges of it that was yeah that's a, a
1: root slayer a root slayer um, the state it's got thick in it has got me I will regularly grind down the spade anyway just to make sure it's as sharp as possible um but I've got an iron bar welded to it as well
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'll use that in certain circumstances. Um, But apart from that, it's having a a large tooth saw is the most important thing. There's no good going out with ordinary wood saws. You need a large, large tooth saw that is capable of of cutting into the ground to cut the roots.
2: Yeah. Um, And Um, that's usually what I use is like a, um, like I call it a branch saw, heavy tooth branch saw you get from the hardware store. And that's about as much as you use your scything, huh?
1: Yeah, I'll use that. I'll make sure that it's re-sharpened every time before digging because you want to save energy while you're you're up there. Mm-hmm. Everything all the time. Um, Periscators for the finer stuff, um, and then your bagging material, your tape to make sure you bag up those roots, keep them nice and moist until you can get the tree into a pot. Mm. at the end of small mattock yeah yeah um
2: uh, and so dig the tree up and then you prep it by wrapping the root ball on a burlap or do you wrap it in some other way
1: i always use plastic because it just holds in moisture okay. i will be able to um pot up the tree within 24 hours mm. i guess when i get the tree back to the garden in certain circumstances i'll put wet toweling wet burlap yeah over just to keep the moisture in but without washing away the roots okay. so washing away the soil from the roots
2: yeah because we uh we typically pull any trees we use like a stretchy saran wrap i'm guessing that's kind of what you're using something like that more or less keeping the moisture in yeah just keep it from drying out exactly yeah and then once you get the tree back then uh you said that there's a lot more spot-on care that you have to have for for especially your older trees that you pull out like that so give us kind of a layout what you do when you get back to the house
1: i will because i tend to go in the afternoons i will be, make sure i think it stays moist overnight and then the next day i'll, I'll repot and it's essential to use a soil that's extremely well aerated. Mm-hmm. So I'm using pumice that is six mil to 15 mil. Okay. So the pumice will hold quite a lot of moisture, but it also has a lot of aeration, and you have a lot of gaps between the uh, particles of the soil. Mm-hmm. And it's important to realize that, particularly with platform, is there will emit new uh, roots, new feeding roots into that humid air, rather than straight into water. Yeah. People have that the, the image of the roots emerging where there's water and it's not, it's where there's humid air. So they've got that lovely, perfect mixture of air and water.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's the whole, it's what I call, um, I'm sure it could be the same for you Is aerobic yeah. or anaerobic, um, yeah. I mean, it's, is it anaerobic or is it aerobic? I think it's aerobic for- a- Aerobic, yeah. Uh, just aerobic, anaerobic with the other way around. Uh, and that's kind of another thing that people have asked about the way we collect trees. They're like, do you guys go straight into, quote unquote, a bonsai soil? And pumice is not a bonsai soil, it's just, it's preferred. Me it is now. Yeah. I use pumice um,
1: through, through with all my, my trees. Okay. Um, what i think is is, is having a, a relatively large grain soil to encourage even if it does encourage coarse roots that's what you want at this stage
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you want a well aerated container so as well as the drainage holes at the bottom of the pot i'm also making extra holes around this, the walls of the pot to get that airflow going through because while you have a root ball and you have roots that aren't particularly functioning well, um, you've got to be really, really careful that the soil's not staying wet too long. Yeah. So you, you need that plenty of airflow going going around.
2: And that's that's the weird thing to tell people about collecting trees is they assume as soon as you get that tree out, especially if you've been doing bonsai for an extended time, you're like you're always told water your tree, water your tree, keep it wet, don't let it dry. And you're saying that it's more beneficial for your trees to experience that humid air and have more drying in between when they're freshly collected, like you're saying.
1: Well, it's giving the soil a, a chance to become less wet. It's probably mm-hmm. the best way of putting it. Okay. You don't, otherwise you get what I would call lazy roots. And it's where a tree has it's almost given too much, it's given too much moisture and it has no uh, motivation to issue new roots that that search for moisture, mm-hmm. search for um, air. I'm
2: gonna have to use that it's, one.
1: It's a difficult one to get the right balance.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna have to use that lazy roots because uh, I call uh, I call the, the good stuff on the top, once you get good, healthy roots, I call it the meat and potatoes of the tree. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and then, but if you got lazy roots, they never produce what you need. Uh, I like that terminology for it, but I'm sure there's a lot Ooh. more that goes into it.
1: Yeah. There's, uh, I've had three, which I'll keep humid. Um, the, the tree at the, the branches of the tree, but remain really quite turgid and they don't need to bother putting out new roots, they almost exist on the
2: atmosphere within the, the polytunnel. Oh, mm. mm. uh, uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, Mark was trying to uh, get attention to how long we've been recording for, but I don't think that matters. We can edit it down.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, but but I mean, if you're fine, Harry, then we're, we're doing good.
0: Yeah, can I make it cup of tea?
2: Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I did not <laughs>
0: not trying to make y'all stuff.
2: No, he said, uh, he said, can I, can I make a cup of tea? And you know, I'm like, we were going to make that joke. Le- we we're actually going to try to like sneak that, that, uh, that cultural poke at you kind of fun uh, later, but you kind of cut us to the chase, but uh, it. A bowler hat's waiting for me. I'm going to get a cup of tea and. Mm-hmm.
1: You, know, you don't know the bowler hat thing. The, the bowler, bowler hat.
2: hat. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Uh, I, I didn't catch on as uh, as quickly as I should, but yeah, uh, I like how you're doing your best to uh, diffuse my high expectations of this whole situation. It's made it a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,
1: but this is the thing is, it's kind of like, um, I mean, you know, it might happen to you one day where people really start demanding your, um, your knowledge and your attention, but at the end of the day, you're just you, you know? Yeah. The, I'm in my fifties now but really i know better or worse than I was when I was twenty.
2: Yeah. I'd like to believe you know, that. You know
1: where I'm coming from.
2: Yeah, yeah. I like to believe that because yeah I'm start I'm not older. I never I never say like I'm not that old because I don't want to offend because there's some old people that get offended by uh the <laughs> younger guys being like oh yeah I know what you mean because they no we don't we don't fucking know anything about that. Like That's obviously what I was old
1: when I was 25
2: yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like you think you know, but then you just get older, and it's like,
1: okay, well, man, <laughs> I, I, I can I still do it. I can still climb the hills, and I can still
2: collect. And... Yeah, and that's one of the things. I think I think bonsai keeps you a little bit younger because you always want to go out there and do more of that type stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or first,
1: otherwise, you just uh, you end up cruising. That's all. <laughs>
0: This episode of Bonsai Southeast was brought to you by Underhill Bonsai, Louisiana's premier bonsai nursery. We have everything you need, including bonsai soil, bonsai tools, imported pottery, handmade pottery, fertilizer, affordable Yamadori stock, pre-bonsai, finished bonsai, and a lot, lot more. Check us out at www.underhillbonsai.com. Take a peek at our Facebook page, Underhill Bonsai. Let's jump back into it.
1: Did really well. Mm. Now we have COVID, so...
0: Yeah. That
2: stops a lot of things. And we were lucky to have even have our show this year. And the point being is like, I brought my elm tree there and I put my tree alongside all these other pieces. And I'm like, my tree looks good, but this is not where it stops. And for a little while, I felt like it. like you ever, you ever get that feeling like you attend something like you've done your workshops, like where you go hang out with Thor and, uh, and you, you could bring those people into the, into the hillside and y'all work on boneside and you feel rejuvenated. You feel awesome. And you come back and then that feeling just slowly goes away and you feel burnt out and you feel kind of empty a little bit. That's kind of how it felt after nationals. And I didn't, you know, it's like that.
1: Yeah. And the burnout feeling, I've, a few people have kind of mentored and they felt guilty about feeling burnt out um and i said to him just take that time out i'm i'm really really lucky the way i am and he, you know and and because i'm british and i'm self-defined, what happens is i'll work a tree I'll be fantastic about it pictures. i'll post it on social media and then about two minutes later i'll go yeah but i could have done this or i could have done that that would have been better if i'd done this and that if you're constantly questioning yourself then you have a drive to keep improving Mm. and that's so important and there's too many artists that have had the heyday that are coasting they're not doing anything because they're unfortunate enough to think that what they're doing is the top of their their game Mm. and that's the thing that that's the killer
2: yeah that's what you, I figured. You've
1: got to have the element of also doubting yourself.
2: Yeah. Uh, Caitlin gets on to me about uh, this, you know, this awful quality of imposter syndrome, just constantly feeling like I don't deserve it. And that's, that's a huge part of that too, is-
1: It's important. Yeah. Really? It's humidity. I mean, uh, it's, it's yeah, she, humility. It's having that humility, but also looking for ways to get even better. Mm-hmm. I, I, honestly, I look at work, work that I posted five years ago and think, "Shit, that's terrible." <laughs> I'm not in a total, and, and I'm not totally defeated. But look, what I mean is, is I could see how I could have done that even better, mm-hmm. and that's how you grow.
2: Yeah. Um, Don't
1: sit there thinking that you know it all.
2: Oh no, I, I in fact, I've, I've told myself to be more challenged in the way that I approach material. Like if I'm going to learn how to do, a, like work with a piece of material, like you feel, you said, like you feel like you're a little bit more beyond dealing with Hawthorns. There's still more to learn, even though you feel like you've got- gotten- No, it's, it's, it's a bit cyclical with
1: uh, these pieces. And I found this, and you will, where, it, it take for instance 10 years ago, larch were dull, boring, seen it all in Europe, and then Hawthorne had the heyday, and Blacks having the heyday at the moment. And larch are coming back, people haven't seen many larch in recent years, mm. and suddenly, larch are getting that excitement about them. I can't collect them, but I can obtain them from South Wales. South Wales is. Really humid, very, very mild, and they have the most amazing trees. They have rafts out there which are mm. ten meters across. They have to break them up in a smaller raft. Yeah, crazy stuff. It's just like the perfect environment. Um and it's a bit like, you know, the the the, the taper on your jeans or music, things come in and out. And your enthusiasm for different species come in and out, and you might start getting to the point where you're sick of seeing swamp cypress and hawthorns. You think, yeah, well, exactly. We love it. Honestly, beginners over here love Mm cypress, bonsai. Was they fucking absolutely die for? Mm -hmm. Um, It's cyclical. It's trends in bonsai.
2: Yeah. And I decided that because of the the swamp cypress is so prevalent. And I get it. And I get that some of the, the most attention that I'll get from content is bald cypress this, bald cypress that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I've started concentrating on other natives. And of course, they're never gonna generate that hype unless like you guys are doing the Hawthorne thing. Like, what if I pull some hawthorns out? Up in fact, um, a Hawthorne won Best Deciduous at the national show in America this, this year. So- hey, some, the Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was in a very naturalistic broom shape. It was actually in a in more of a symmetrical broom than I would prefer to see, mm-hmm. but people, people loved it. It was huge. I mean, it was, canopy was probably like four and a half feet wide, but the trunk was like three inches in diameter maybe, you know, and it won. So it's, I guess the trends are different now. Yeah. So, and that's what you're saying. It's like, maybe people are looking more into that because the hawthorn that grows up up in uh, the Northern part of the United States is way, way different from us. So I'm, I showed, I think I shared pictures to you of a hawthorn that I collected that I'm particularly uh, proud of. It's a, uh, it's like this big mangled, twisted multi-trunk thing. And I'm I want to execute that in a way that makes makes the Hawthorne here look way different than that one that they did up there. We have trees that could definitely look like that naturalistic broom, like that where it yeah. comes up, not necessarily Japanese broom, Zelkova, but uh, but more oh, of that yeah, not upright
1: broom. So it is broom on top of the um a trunk with lots of movement.
2: Yeah a lot more and then it's almost like there's dozens and dozens of individual tree shapes on the same tree over and over. That's what I, I would like. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that's what the kind of stuff that you would like to see too. Stuff like uh, that. Evan, you know,
1: if you want to be an artist, you... be an artist. hmm I I, I, I know that sounds really... um,
2: (laughs) That's like really cheesy Hallmark shit right there, man. (laughs) I
1: I now hate you, but yes. right. (laughs) Be be an artist. Stop doing bonsai and be an artist.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah,
1: that thing. Um, At the end of the day, if it works, it appeals to people. And that's something that I've always held... I want my trees to look good to people who've never seen a Bonsai before or never done Bonsai before, far more than people in the scene. Now I think if if someone who just wanders up and has never seen a Bonsai before and what you've created hits them in, in our media, which is Bonsai rather than oil painting or watercolours, then we've done our job.
2: Yeah um like you said uh oh, <laughs> like the things like you said whenever walter paul's trees you saw them your first reaction was wow or you know or it wasn't like oh look at that bonsai tree it was like wow that's all you need to say yeah you look at them technically you go well it doesn't do this and it doesn't do that and, mm. yeah. but yeah you want that next step uh let's uh, a lot of that's going to be cut Sorry, from- you a question. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that's going to be cut. We can actually take some of that dialogue and like do some stuff with it later. Uh, Like Mark was saying, there will be like, can we we cut out the peeing bit? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. The weird, the the weird pee bit will cut out, but keep the rest of it. Yeah, that's the only thing we'll remove. No, uh, (laughs) no, uh, everything else, like we've talked about, like insight, uh, insightfulness that you've given and stuff. We, I, he'll pick and choose. I don't want this whole thing to be about. Yeah. Can I have a copy?
1: It will do you good.
2: Yes, yes, definitely. Um, that's, and, a, that's
1: one thing I'll say, Evan, that I learned from like the early days of the, of the internet: is, um, if you create something and you hand it out to people for free, it it karma comes back. It's good for you. Excellent.
2: Yeah. That and will really? definitely we will definitely have whatever you need to do because this anything that I've done ever in bonsai uh has always been a collaborative project because you know uh, there's all you're always scratching the next People person's has back.
1: different skills don't they
2: yep uh so when you collect a tree
1: it's inevitable that that trunk particularly if it's a thick trunk it will put out new green growth it'll put out new leaves it may even put out new shoots but that's from the strength of the trunk itself. It's not an indicator of new roots. And we find this particularly with hawthorn, blackthorn, oak, a lot of deciduous trees. Um, I don't have the experience with pines, but I can imagine it's very similar. So in the spring, all those new trees, all those new trunks or new trees that you've collected will green up. And it's fantastic. You think they've all recovered, but they haven't. You need to keep treating them with um, kid gloves. The what we have is in around May, we'll have a, a few days of above 25 degrees centigrade, where the heat starts demanding moisture through the leaves. There's a lot of transpiration through those new leaves on your your new trunks and the trees that haven't got new root systems and are just relying on their, their own energy will start to collapse and they will brown off. And some of them will start to go, even go through senescence. So they'll go through water and colors mm-hmm. and drop the leaves. They are the ones that you hang on to and hope that in the following spring they'll come good and they can do sometimes. But if you have a tree that just the the leaves collapse and they still cling to the the branches, unfortunately they haven't made it. And it's it's something that's quite a common occurrence. So when you have a a newly collected tree, wait until it's survived a few waves of heat, a few um, waves of 25 degrees centigrade or above and if they survive through that, then they are putting out new roots uh, one word of warning. And I've, I've seen some sh- shysters on eBay selling newly collected trees that have new green leaves. They aren't proved until they made it through at least one year. Mm-hmm. Don't buy them yeah. um, because they will be putting leaves out on the, the energy stored in the trunk. And the main part of the route. That's um I will keep some trees in the polytunnel that are a little weak on the new shoots, and I will keep them in the polytunnel for a second winter. Pushing them out into the outside world. If they survive, if they can go through normal senescence at the normal time, which for us is November, then they're pretty much proven. They're, they're in time with other hawthorn, other blackthorn that are alive and well in the ground,
2: mm-hmm. and and that's the whole thing with telling people to give them time to not just be acclimated to being soil and in uh, bonsai container life, but it's like you said, prove it that that the tree can go through the seasonal change. And is yeah. a fully functional tree again. It's not just a giant cutting, essentially, because uh, cuttings will absolutely. absolutely. Cuttings are almost the same way; they'll pr- they'll produce uh, leaves or green or anything that looks sus- suspect of of health. And then, like you said, it's all stored in the trunk. Um, and I'm glad that that's it's
1: brought you through the Hawthorne is
2: the Take a, you know just
1: a branch of a hawthorn and it can emit lots of growth that will slide for a few months before collapsing.
2: Um, and I guess this is just something that I've wondered too, is like, um, hawthorn flowers. And so is that something that you've seen on um, like a collected tree? You, you'll see like flowering or fruiting. Do you usually stop that? Of course, that would be a lot of energy there.
1: So I've seen hawthorn and blackthorn that have been collected. And what you would expect when you have a hawthorn or a blackthorn that's flowering and fruiting, it's in a mature stage. So the tree has stopped trying to grow taller or wider and it's at that flowering stage. And I have seen collected trees that just flower, just bury and nothing else. Now, at the stage where you do your collecting and, and the years afterwards, you ought to be trying to build a branch structure. So what you want is the hawthorn of the blackthorn to have reverted juvenile behaviour where it, because it's got more room, room at the roots, having that room at the roots enables it to be able to extend its branches and grow and try and get taller and wider. You develop the tree then And it may not flower again until between five and 10 years after collection. But that's kind of an ideal. If you're collecting a trunk, you want to redevelop it so it's suitable for bonsai before it then reverts back to the mature phase and flowering and the fruiting.
2: Yeah, you're asking a lot of a tree removed from nature, and it needs to revert back to juvenile growth to, it to yeah it's part of its all, defense.
1: All these pre- particular trees are pre-programmed to provide um, above their neighbors. and if you give them room at the roots so they can um, then extend taller and wider to outcompete their neighbors, they will do that first before then starting to flower and, and uh, replicate their progeny
2: mm-hmm.
1: by flowering and, and burying.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of the well, unfortunate the fruit thing. Fruit. That's the unfortunate thing is like, some people will collect a flowering or fruiting plant and say, all right, this is gonna work out. And, and then, you know, you don't get, unless you stick with it and you develop that tree and you make it healthy, it might be almost, almost close to a decade before it returns back to the quality of blooming and fruit producing, which is unfortunate.
1: Well, I think you should be, a, um, if you want to build up your ramification in your branch taper and build a new branch structure, it's, it's what you need because I've seen some amazing quality trunks, uh, Blackthorn and Hawthorn trunks. That have just sat there and continued to flower and bury and not extended whatsoever. Mm. So you have a beautiful trunk and a terrible branch structure. But um although that tends to happen with extremely old trees.
2: Yeah. Um, and sometimes will you permit a tree to be poor in branch structure or a ramification if the trunk line is very interesting Deadwood features or true show of age, like we talked about earlier. Is it permittable or? permittable, I'd keep it, but
1: what I want to do is to build a, the best branch structure I can, mm. redesign the tree so it doesn't look like a, a small shrub. I mean, I've got, I'm, I'm thinking now of small Hawthorn or Blackthorn that have been repeatedly eaten by sheep yeah i mean he's got a great ramification but ramification isn't an indicator of age on its own you also want the branches you want branch taper um and i want a tree to grow and develop that side of it prior to then flowering the, the the flowering is just the icing on the cake it's mm. not the be all and end all
2: yeah so you're gonna go for branching in every every case it's totally. yeah because you're you just want to build that you want to build the scaffolding and the, the bones onto the onto the piece that you collected. Yep. So well, flowering lasts two or three weeks, the burying a few months.
1: Um if you've got a tree that flowers nicely but looks terrible in the winter,
2: for me <laughs> that's not a- it's not a full season plant. Um so uh, the the very last question pertaining to Yamadori that we got for you is uh, favorite collecting trip or memory and and or favorite tree that you've collected like biggest score you felt like. I think it's a, a little like
1: trying to tell people your favorite tree that you've got in your garden. Yeah. And it changes, it changes with the seasons it changes with time. hmm And they're all your babies. Yeah. And there's some big, there's so many trips where uh, you come back and it may be a tree that you've nurtured in the ground for five years. I've got a beech which I'm about to collect, which I've nurtured in the ground for 20 years. i separated it from its mm. its, its mother. It was a, a branch that had dipped down into the ground and, and turned into a raft and I've, I've separated it. You know, there's, there's so many different things. It's, it's difficult to yeah. say your favorite trip. Yeah, but those memories stay with you with, with a multitude of trees. Mm.
2: And so, I guess more of uh, what I like to think about with my collection is if I've gone out and collected a lot of my Yamadori pieces, it's like a, it's almost like a photo album of your of trips that you've been on. So that's more how you view it. Yeah, and you remember where you got it, what was happening in your life, how
1: old you were, what the weather was like, you know the beginning of the tree just carries on with building memories along with your own
2: lifetime oh yeah that's and that's the romance of bonsai really that's a romanticized part of it
1: absolutely
2: um but yeah that's a that's a really great thing to kind of wrap up the uh all the questions we had about yamadori and of course having the amazing harry harrington as a guest on the podcast you know uh but I just you have any closing statements, or you want to put any plugs in there? Anything that's come that any uh, new projects coming up that you want to talk about? No,
1: uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm okay.
2: Self advertising, but it's a pleasure speaking to you,
1: Evan, and uh, actually sort of you know putting a voice to the uh, the, the comments that you put on my uh, social media and with um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: someone in Louisiana.
2: Yeah, excellent. And so,
1: sharing a cup of tea with you as well of course
2: <laughs> yeah uh I, I don't have any tea but i did have some uh dirty chai earlier so that worked out <laughs> but uh yeah harry thank you so much for uh taking the time that this this has been, it's been a this has been a dream of mine to talk to you but also it's been a really pleasure. very very awesome yeah
0: it's been a pleasure lots of great content here so All right, y'all, that's it for this two-part episode of Bonsai Southeast. We have even more special guests coming up, so keep an eye out. Don't forget to to water your trees. trees.